studies today, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, please. 2 Corinthians 2 and Acts chapter 4. Hold your place in Acts 4. And uh, we'll get back there in a few minutes, but we're going to start at 2 Corinthians 2. Just before we do, I'm going to make one more announcement. And that is that some months ago, we announced that we were opening up a satellite campus in Lake Elsinore. And I want to let you know that that was delayed for a little bit of time, but now it's back on track. In fact, we want to open that thing by Easter. In fact, we'd like to do it the Sunday before Easter if we can get it done. That's coming up like in just a few weeks here. So I just wanted to let you know and uh, kick it off. Some of you will be able to go down there. It's close enough just to go down there and help us get that thing launched and such. How many of you believe people in Lake Elsinore need to hear about the Word of God? And need to be discipled with OSL. Don't you think so? We need some rock groups down there. We need some ministry down in Lake Elsinore. And so we're going to launch in both Spanish and English. Uh, And so we're just excited about it. And uh, we'll give you some more announcements about that. But I just wanted to kick that cat out of the bag. So that as you begin to hear chatter about it. That you'll not only know that it's official, but you'll also, some of you get excited to partner with us and help us in that endeavor. And uh, we'll we'll keep you posted on that. All right. Second Corinthians chapter two, we've been talking about the unstoppable spirit filled church, the unstoppable spirit filled church. And I want to remind you that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell. He's confident, isn't he? You know, Jesus thinks he can do anything he wants to do. Actually, Jesus would always say, I only do what the Father wants me to do. He's very submitted and humble, isn't he? But because he's in alignment with God the Father, then he just spoke out anything he wanted to do. Well, of course, God the Father, once he was raised from the dead, God the Father set him down on the throne and said, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter's in your hand and you're in charge. Your name's above every name. Gave him the name above every name. Isn't that right? And so God the Father honored his son for what he did. And uh, has put him in charge of all things. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is therefore absolutely no reason that any part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should not be built. Isn't that right? There is no reason... Why any part of the body of Christ should not be built. Isaiah chapter 9 says, Of the increase of his government, talking about Jesus prophetically, Of the increase of his government and kingdom, there will be no end. But Jesus did admit, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he let us know that hell is going to try to stop the church. And he also let us know it's not going to be able to stop us. And today I want to talk about the gates of hell. Isn't that wonderful? Just a wonderful title. <laughs> the gates of hell. <laughs> so I said, can we not talk about that? No, we're going to talk about it. But we're not going to talk about it like you think. I'm not going to talk about the lake of fire today. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We got you out of there. Man, ser- serve the Lord, okay? Can I just say that? Serve the Lord. You don't want to go there. 
Okay? We're not so much talking about the gates of hell where people are going into hell. We're talking today about the gates of hell or the barriers of hell, the things from the enemy and his kingdom that are trying to stop the progress of your life and stop the progress of the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said they will not win, we will win. They will not stop the building of the church. They will not stop people from being saved. They will not stop the body of Christ from ministering, flourishing, expanding. We will overcome. We will overcome. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, talking about the gates of hell. I want to read a very short verse there. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11. We're going to read from the New King James Version. If you don't have the New King James, that's okay. There are a lot of good versions. But just for the sake of us reading aloud, if you could follow along on the screens, we'd appreciate it. Everybody together, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Let's read. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Let me read it back to you. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. In other words, Paul is saying, and of course we're not going to take the time for the whole context, but the point I want to pull out of this verse is that ignorant people get taken advantage of by the devil. Ignorant people get taken advantage of by the devil. You remember Paul said in a couple of places, I don't, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Ignorant people get taken advantage of. If you don't know how the devil comes in, if you don't know it's the devil, if he can trick you into thinking that what's happening in your life is really God doing it, then you won't resist him. James said in James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But what if you don't know it's the devil? What if you think it's God? Then you're not going to resist him, are you? And Satan is a master deceiver to mess with our lives, to hinder us, to persecute us, and to make us think, well, it's God doing it because we're not measuring up. Well, that doesn't mean that there isn't something called the judgment of God. But I tell you what, if you're not spiritually in tune and adept in the word of God to discern the difference between what the devil's doing and what the Lord's doing, then you're going to not resist the devil because the devil's going to always want to blame it on God so you don't mess with him. Everybody see what I'm talking about? But Jesus said, listen, I will build my church. And there'll be gates of hell on the other side resisting the church, but they won't be able to do it. But that is presuming that the church understands that these are not the gates of God stopping us. These are the gates of hell trying to stop us so that we can take the name of Jesus and blow them down. Jesus said, the thief, John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So you can see that Jesus is on the opposite end of this spectrum in terms of purpose than the devil. The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life. Notice again, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So, by the way, the church is not a building. The church is the people. And Jesus said, I'm building my people. And the hell is trying to stop my people. But I'm going to build them and hell won't be able to stop them. So we're talking about the unstoppable spirit-filled church. 
And Paul said, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I like the way the last part of that reads in the Living Bible. The Living Bible says, for we know what he's trying to do. <laughs> lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we know what he's trying to do. See, once you become aware that a resistance is going to be opposing your life by the devil, by the gates of hell, then you can take confidence that you're on the right side of this thing and say, if God is for me, then who can be against me? Isn't that right? You've got to take confidence. But I want to talk about the gates of hell. I want to talk about his devices. I want to talk about his schemes, the way that he comes about a uh, comes at us the way that he resists us the barriers that he puts in front of us and i want to bring it right out of the word of god so you can see it in i mean well black and white vivid color in black and white okay sometimes red and white ready let's look at a couple of things first of all let me remind you hold your place in acts 4 we're going to get there but you remember second corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5 say for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so you're going to have arguments in your mind. Things that say, well, you're not going to be successful. Well, you're not going to be successful. By the way, let me just point something out. When we're talking about the expansion of the church, we're not just talking about spiritual ministry. We're talking about the expansion of the body of Christ and that includes all of you in your finances. That includes all of you who are business owners. Did you know that the flourishing of your business by the blessing of the Lord is for the blessing and the advancement of the kingdom of God? And if you are struggling and jobless or paycheck to paycheck, then how are you going to do a whole lot to advance the kingdom of God. Now you can do some things with no money. Isn't that right? But when the Lord begins to bless and resource your life and you begin to have not only enough, but more than enough. Now, as second Corinthians chapter nine says, you can have an abundance for every good work. You can be sowing. Somebody comes and they have a need, man, you can bless them. Didn't James say when somebody's in need, you don't just say be warm to be filled, but you got to give them something to help them out of that need. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I found myself in positions where I didn't have anything to help with. And there was an opportunity right there, an opportunity to help, opportunity to show the love of God, an opportunity to give to a ministry that really was making an impact on people. And I just didn't have it. I didn't have it. Now, I've always been a tither, but I just didn't have that extra to be able to sow into some other ministry. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Listen. The advancement of the kingdom of God. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he's not just talking about spiritual ministry. He's talking about our whole lives flourishing by the power of God as a testimony to the world. And to use our resources, our physical strength. You know, if you're sick, you can't do a whole lot. Isn't that right? If you're sick. So the Lord wants to heal us and strengthen us. The Lord wants to increase our intellectual capacities doesn't mean we have to be you know highly highly we all have to be highly educated but the lord wants to increase us to to be able to think and to be able to process things why because he wants his people to be the leaders on the earth we ought to be leading this earth 
We've got the power of the Holy Spirit with us. The world doesn't have that. We have that. We have him. We have his help. And so just know, when we're talking about the unstoppable spirit-filled church, don't think that does not include your life, your health, your own uh, prosperity in your life. Some people think that's a bad word. That's not a bad word. That's a biblical word. Some folks have taken it and exploited it to their own gain and abused the message of prosperity. No message has been more abused than the message of prosperity. And yet, it is God's message for the hour to help His people get out of poverty and out of bondage, out of debt, and to flourish on this earth in spiritual things as well as in natural things. Somebody say amen to this. This is so important. The unstoppable spirit-filled church doesn't only flourish on the spiritual side. We flourish in every way. Like Psalm 1 says. He who dwell, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, and he's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in his season, and it goes on to say, and whatever he does prospers. Isn't that what the Bible says? Whatever he does prospers. See, we need to know when Jesus is building his church, he's not just building the spiritual part of his church. He's building his people in every area. So you ought to believe God to do well in school. You ought to believe God to do well in business. Especially if you're following him keenly and saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Then you can expect the blessings of God on your life. And then you use those blessings according to the will of God to help advance the kingdom of God. And what happens? Then God blesses you more. And then you help expand more. And then he blesses you more. You'll never outdo him. You'll never outgive him. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless us. But this is what Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, Paul said, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, this is one of the devices. This is one of the schemes of the enemy is he's got strongholds in our lives. You know what a stronghold is? It's something that holds strong. Have you ever had some area of your life where you just can't seem to get past a certain level? It may have to do with your finances. It may have to do with your health. It may have to do with your your ability to relate to other people, your interpersonal skills. And you just feel like, you know, there's certain areas of my life. You may have been addicted to some bondage, drugs or whatever years ago. And it, some, it just keeps hanging on to you or pornography or something like that. Those, those become strongholds. But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to yank those things down. See, those are part of the gates of hell because if you stay bound to that, then it's going to limit you in being a part of the church to advance things. Because now you're still dealing with all that guilt and everything. You don't have to, but I'm saying we do. The enemy uses these things as tools to limit us. And the Lord wants to deliver us, doesn't he? Get us completely out of Egypt, completely out of bondage. So when Jesus says, I'll build my church, he's talking about delivering you from every addiction, stronghold, 
And it goes on to say, casting down arguments. We have arguments in our mind. Arguments. Well, it's not going to work for you. Well, it's not going to be, you're not going to get healed. Well, you're not going to be delivered from your day. Look how many years it's been, right? All these arguments. What do you do? Cast them down. Why? Because you're not ignorant that that's a device of the enemy. That's a thought. That word device, by the way, uh, has to do with the mind and thoughts that come. And the enemy brings those discouraging thoughts and attacks your mind to tell you it's not going to work for you. Listen, it works for everybody that believes Jesus. It works for everybody. God is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality in anybody. If you believe and stand on His Word, it will work for you, but the enemy won't want, let you, won't want you to believe that. And so, this is one of the devices of the Lord. Now, let me read from the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 11. And this is about Paul. And this, this guy, I'm telling you, uh, talk about being put through the ringer. Listen, let me pick it up from verse 23. He said, are they, not, are they ministers of Christ? He's comparing himself to other people who are not really true ministers of the Lord who have, uh, who have been criticizing him. He said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. That, that really means, yeah, right. And he goes on to say, I am more. I'm a minister of Christ. In labors more abundant. That means I work harder than all those guys. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. Frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That doesn't mean drugs either. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily, my deep concern, let me rephrase it, worry for all the churches. What is that? The enemy puts worry in his mind that the churches are going to fall away from the Lord. And he's saying, all this stuff has come on me. Now let me ask you something. It, how many things can happen to the same guy? How many things? You know, some people attract issues, right? We know that. But this is a ridiculous list. And let me just tell you right now what's very clear in the scriptures. This didn't just happen to him. This is, these are the gates of hell that are coming to try to stop him because he's bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And the gates of hell are trying to stop him. But notice he's saying this happened, that happened, that happened. Five times I got beat over I was stoned. I was beaten with rods three times. What is he saying? Yes, he's saying the gates of hell have been slapping me. But he's also saying, but I didn't stop. Isn't that right? They haven't stopped me yet. They haven't stopped me yet. Listen to what Jesus said. In, uh, well, let, let, me, let me go to what Paul said. Because this will follow up what we read in 2 Corinthians 11. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10... But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Verse 11, persecutions 
afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, listen to this, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Who delivered him? Didn't Jesus say, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? Didn't uh, the last verse in the book of Mark say they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them? Paul said, look, man, the gates of hell have been against me all this time. But out of everything, the Lord delivered me. Verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Read that with me, would you? Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Let me tell you what it didn't say. Yes, and all who desire to live comfortably. Yes, and all who desire just to be nice to everybody. Yes, and all who desire that everybody likes them. No. You know, you can be a church attender and not have a lot of persecution because you're one of those incognito Christians. You're a chameleon. You're a Christian when you come to church. But outside, I mean, hardly anybody knows anything. But this says... All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now that's not, I don't know, has anybody ever stood on this verse? Say, Lord, I believe it in Jesus' name. I I stand on that promise. (laughs) Well, no, that's not one we need to claim. (laughs) That's just one we need to acknowledge. Like, oh, okay, great. I'm, I'm glad you let me know that, right? But it does tell us something. It tells us that if we're being persecuted, we're in good company. It tells us that if we're being persecuted, that's a sign that we're wanting to live a godly life. Somebody say amen to this. But notice again, Paul said, man, I've endured a lot of this, but the Lord delivered me from them all. Now, Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, the 14th and 15th verses, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So the devil is not just after you personally, he's after the the stopping of the word of God. And if you get the word of God in your heart and it has a chance to grow, well, it's going to cause blessing in your life. And that blessing in a godly person's life is going to cause the advancement once again of the gospel. And so he knows I got to get that word out of you. I got to keep you from coming to church for one thing. I got to keep you from being in a church preaching the word. You ought to go to a more convenient church. Now thank God for every church preaching about Jesus. Listen, I'm not getting on anybody. But let me just tell you. uh, Every once in a while, you know, because... Uh, of reaching Americans, you know, people get their services shorter and shorter and shorter. And uh, one one church advertised 45 minute services. I think 40, 45 minute services. 40. Uh, You know, you ought to just put on the sign. We have less of God than anybody. (laughs) Well, that doesn't mean you can't, that doesn't mean you can't minister at all in 45 minutes. But, but what I'm saying is, listen, The enemy is looking for a way to not allow the word of God into people's hearts. Because he knows the power of God's word. When you get it, it causes a flourishing in your life. Amen. It causes something to happen. 
And God wants you to flourish in every area. Amen. He wants you to flourish in every area. God is a good God. All right. Did you find Acts chapter 4? Look here in verse 1. We're talking about the gates of hell. It says, now as they spoke to the people. Now let me tell you what happened. Peter and John and healed this guy at the gate. Beautiful. You remember? Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and this guy got healed. I mean, he'd never walked in his whole life. He's walking, leaping, praising God. A big crowd comes together. They know this guy. They say, man, that's a miracle. They're all excited. So notice what happens. Chapter 4. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests and the captains of the temple... And the Sadducees came upon them. Now, you know, the the Sadducees are a sect of the religious uh, group there. The Pharisees are another sect. But the Sadducees don't believe that there's a resurrection. They don't believe there's an afterlife resurrection. And that's why they're sad, you see. (laughs) Had to throw that in. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sorry, I had to get that in. All right. Okay, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Look at this. Now they got a guy healed who had never walked in his life. And they were explaining to the crowd how the guy got healed by the faith in the name of Jesus. That's how the guy got healed. And these religious people got mad. So when we're talking about the gates of hell, sometimes the face on the gates of hell is surprising. Is surprising. Religious persecution. Did you hear me? That's sometimes the worst kind. Religious persecution. In other words, persecution from religious people. Sometimes we just think, well, man, everybody who believes in God ought to be excited about what we're doing. Guess what? They're not going to be. I'm not saying nobody will. I'm just saying some of them won't be. Some of them won't be. Look at chapter 5, verse 12. It says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Well, man, you're talking about multitudes of people getting healed. So you'd think all the religious people in Jerusalem be excited about that. Verse 17, then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. Let me translate that. They were ticked. Verse 18, and laid hand, their hands on the apostles and put them into the common prison. Look at verse 19. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and let them out. The gates of hell shall not prevail against them. Anybody hearing what I'm saying today? I'm saying the religious leaders and the people that have authority are arresting them for healing people, arresting them for people coming to the Lord and getting gloriously saved. And they're persecuting them, threw them in prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord, an angel of who? The Lord who? The Lord Jesus 
who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. He sent an angel. Get them out of there. Listen to me. Church, when we're working for Jesus, we're working with Jesus and Jesus is working with us. Don't forget you're not on your own. Don't run this like a business. Don't run your life like the secular world. Invite him in and say, Lord, work with me. Lord, work with me. I mean, he sent an angel and got them out. So it says here, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now look at verse 40. Let's skip down here. And so what happened was they went back and got him again and said that when they agreed and, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, well, that's not exciting, and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they, the apostles, departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Interesting, didn't say suffer pain, it said suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, look at this. Did they stop preaching about Jesus? And daily in the temple. And in every house in rock groups. Does your Bible not say rock groups? (laughs) Amen. This is what we're talking about. What the Lord has called us into is the same thing that they were doing here. We're the same church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? So in the temple daily they're preaching. And every house. They did not cease. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now, listen to chapter 6, verse 8. This is about Stephen. Now, he was a deacon, a table server. And it said, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. He's not even an apostle. He was chosen to serve tables. See, that's, that's why the church is so powerful. Because it's not just preachers and teachers, not just pastors and leaders. It's everybody that gets filled with the Holy Spirit. It's everybody that uses the name of Jesus and advances the kingdom of God. Advances their life. Advances their family. Advances their business. Advances their career. Advances their health. Isn't that right? Gets prayers answered by the power of God. This is why this church is unstoppable. Unstoppable. So here's Stephen. And it says here, he was full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. Those are the ones copying the scriptures. And they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses. They set up false witnesses. Who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. Can religious people really lie? Would they really lie? Would religious people really lie? They did right here, didn't they? They did right here. Now... Why would religious people be so angry? 
Why would religious people be so angry? I'm going to show you why right here in the book of Acts. Listen to the 13th chapter, the 44th verse. It says, On the Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Let me say it again. On the Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Their church is bigger than my church now. Their crowd's bigger than my crowd now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> See, we, we, first of all, let's deal with ourselves. We can't have somebody saying, well, I'm going over to such and such a church. And we know that that church might be down the road or farther along or bigger and such. And then we say, what are you going over there for? Well, all they do is, oh, is that the one with the 45 minute service? <laughs> no, all, all, all they do, all they do is this or all they do is that. They don't even, you know, they see, look, look let me tell you, we got to be careful that we don't fall into envy. Amen. See, when you fall into envy, you get on the wrong side of this thing. Because that's what the, the enemy likes people to do. And begins to oppose the church of the living God. Our local church, which, which has multi-congregations in multi-languages, is not the only church in the world. Jesus has his church globally. And we got to be excited about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere. Isn't that right? Whether they believe exactly like we believe, if they believe that Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and that you get saved by grace by putting your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus, man, they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Isn't that right? And we need to make sure we don't oppose what is happening all over this world. And so, but notice here. When they saw this crowd, the multitudes, verse 45, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed. You can tell when somebody's envious because look what they do. They begin to contradict and they begin to blaspheme. You know what I noticed over the years? I've noticed. Now, when I first started in the ministry, there was no internet. But I noticed on the internet, any of the larger ministries out there, they've got loads of things on the internet criticizing them. Anybody ever notice that? I don't care how precious the ministry is. I don't care what power, what healings. I don't care how many people are getting saved or discipled or baptized. I'm telling you, somebody's got a page on the internet to criticize them and to discount them and to say that they're not, their hearts are not right, their motives are not right, their doctrine's not right. In fact, some years ago, I, I was kind of getting offended because nobody put a page up there. I mean, nobody said it. Nobody's doing any criticizing. What do we not rate? What's going on here, right? All, all the people doing something, they all getting criticized. Well, of course, I didn't announce that publicly. <laughs> because it's not hard to provoke that. But what I'm telling you is, if you're not doing anything, you won't get criticized. But once you start to do something, look at these guys right here captured in the book of Acts. So we know that Paul and his company here who are out ministering, they are on the forefront of the will of God in this earth because this is, this is where the Holy Spirit's text and history is following. And look, they're being persecuted because of envy. 
Because it's working. People are coming. And they're getting persecuted. Amen. Be careful that you don't criticize crowds. I saw some time ago the largest church in the world. Over in Seoul, Korea. Dr. Cho's church over there. Man, you wouldn't believe all the criticism. (laughs) Reaching people by the hundreds of thousands. Planting churches like crazy. Don't be on that side. Listen, don't even read the stuff. Because it sows doubt. The enemy wants to sow doubt. Just stay with the word. Amen. The Bible didn't say meditate on everybody's opinion day and night. It said don't listen to the counsel of the ungodly. Meditate on the word day and night. Isn't that right? You got to be careful it doesn't sow seed in your mind and cause doubt. And then you'll become disgruntled and get a, you, you become part of the hardware of the gates of hell. And didn't even realize it. Just stop and pray for the person next to you. They probably need it. Lord, help them in Jesus. Forgive them. Forgive them in Jesus' name. Okay. All right, look at this. Chapter 17, verse 4. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women, joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob... See, they gather people together because it numbers makes it look like they must be right. Set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. I remember when the Lord spoke to me back in January of 99 and said uh, to start a church, this church, didn't exist at the time. But he talked to me a little bit about what he would do in this church and it's coming to pass, praise God. But one of the things he said to me that I wasn't thrilled about, he said, be ready for more criticism than you've ever had in your life. Well, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. But that just goes with the package. That just goes with the package. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All who desire. What we need to make sure we don't do is get out of love and retaliate on people and try to defend ourselves. We just got to make sure some many things that people would say is defensible. But once you start to get into defense mode, you begin to do tit for tat and you begin to get into a position where you're opposing somebody else. I don't want to be part of the gates of hell. Amen. I don't want to be part of Satan's hardware. I don't want to speak against anybody, even if they're speaking against me. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. Why? Well, you don't want them to suffer. You don't want them to suffer. They're on dangerous ground already. Amen. And don't you get on the internet and start criticizing people. You take your opinion in prayer and you pray for those people that if they got something wrong, that God will straighten them out and send somebody to them that will help them. Amen. We've got to be mature about this. And be careful. The enemy is so slick. All right, let me finish this up here. Acts chapter 9. This is uh, Saul before he was saved. uh, Paul before he was saved called Saul. Then Saul breathing threats and murder. Man, before he was saved, he was breathing threats and that he was going to murder disciples and so on. But notice down here, Jesus met him. You remember this? 
As he journeyed, verse 3, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then he said, the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Notice Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Notice Saul was persecuting the church, the people, and Jesus came and confronted him and said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you? And called him Lord. Lord? <laughs> I don't know who you are, but right now you're Lord. <laughs> right? Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. See, Jesus is the head of the church and we're the body. Isn't that right? If somebody kicked you in the leg, you have every right to say, why'd you kick me? Isn't that right? Why'd you kick me? I didn't kick you, I kicked your leg. Well, I'm going to kick your booty. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You don't say that. Don't say that. That's the flesh. <laughs> All right. So Jesus takes it personally. When you're confronted, when you're persecuted, just know that's attacking him. And you have him with you to sustain you and to overcome. Look at verse 22. So Paul got saved in this situation and it goes on to say, but Saul increased all the more in strength. He started preaching and confounded the Jews who dwelt in, in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now he's on the other side. He gets saved and starts preaching. Guess what? They're going to say, we're going to kill you. Somebody said, yeah, he got on the wrong side. Oh no, he got on the right side. Amen. All who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Don't be afraid. You got Jesus with you. Amen. All right. Now listen. Come down now to. Let me pick this up in Acts chapter 12. I want to talk about one other thing. We talked about religious persecution. We talked about the enemy in our minds. Talked about him. He'll confront us with sickness. He'll confront us with poverty, with, you know, our business is going bad, with losing our job. The enemy will, will confront us and block us any way that he can. We talked about religious persecution, but let me bring up one other. And this is something we haven't experienced a lot of in America. But it says in Acts chapter 12, now about that time, Herod the king, we're talking about secular government now. Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John. You remember Peter, James, and John? Jesus' three closest disciples? He killed James. Just killed him. What did James ever do to him? Nothing. Just stretched out his hand, found a reason, and just killed him. Secular government killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. He arrested Peter, intending to do the same thing. But it says down here in verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Do you think God listens to prayer? Yes, yes he does. Look at this. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord 
stood by him. Who sent that angel? Said right there, an angel of the Lord. Jesus sent an angel. Why? Well, the church is praying. See, we need to be a praying church if we're going to be unstoppable. Isn't that right? Because the enemy is going to throw things at us, but we need to pray. We need to pray. And it says that an angel of the Lord stood by him. And I won't take the time to finish reading, but the bottom line is he got him out of there. Now listen to the 21st verse. I want to show you right now that we don't even make it out of the chapter before Herod's dead. Herod who killed James. Look at this. Verse 21, so on a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. An angel from who? From the Lord. Struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. So he stretched out his hands and killed James, tried to kill Peter, didn't make it out of the chapter, and he's dead. Let me tell you, this, there's serious business going on. And it may look at first like the church of the Lord Jesus is not going to win, but you need to know, just give it a little time. We got Jesus on our side. He's the great warrior, isn't that right? He's the victor. He's the great warrior. And he's not trying to go around kill pe- killing people. That's what the devil does. He's trying to save people. But when people get on the wrong side of this thing. You remember the word says, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. Didn't he say that? Well, it goes on to say in the end of that chapter, but the word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God grew despite the persecution, despite what the government was doing to stop it. Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Let me mention one more. Acts 13, verse 6. Now when they had gone through the uh, the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul like a governor, Sergius Paulus. An intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul, like the governor, away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, call him an SOD. <laughs> 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 he did, didn't he? You son of the devil. <laughs> you, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of our Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Listen to me. Listen to me. In our day and age, 
We're going to see more and more persecution happen. But let me tell you what's going to happen with God's unstoppable Spirit-filled church. We're going to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord is going to do some things at certain times. Not with everybody that gives us a little hassle. Because we don't want these things to happen to them. We want to get them saved. Everybody understand? Love is our motivation. God is love. But there are going to be certain times where certain people stand against us so strongly that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some retribution that happens. And that retribution is also going to be a sign and a testimony to the world that God is the real God. We're talking about the unstoppable Spirit-filled church. And we're no different than the Apostle Paul was in, in terms of us having the same power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We just need to be filled with His Word. And filled with His Spirit. I remember when we were negotiating on a certain building that some things happened and, and uh, that were not right. And I ended up saying to this building owner, I said, listen, the Bible says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and we want you to be blessed. I wanted to give an opportunity to be on the right side of this thing because I knew this was the will of God. And sure enough, it turned around. Sure enough, it turned around. There's some things we're working on with the new downtown property. Ran into some barriers there. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has already said to me, it's not by might, it's nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't that right? Not by might. Not by power. So we keep bringing it to prayer. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, every barrier shall be removed. Every mountain shall be removed. We thank you, Lord, that you do your work. Your church cannot be stopped. The gospel cannot be stopped. Nobody's agenda can preclude the power of the gospel advancing in this earth. In Jesus' name. See, we just take the name of Jesus. Somebody said, well, the Lord closed the door. Who said the Lord closed the door? Well, it's closed. Well, does that mean the Lord closed it? You mean Satan doesn't close doors? Certainly he does. Paul was writing one, one of his epistles and he said, I wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. See, if he'd have been a modern day Christian, he'd have said, but the Lord closed the door. No, it wasn't the Lord. Paul perceived that's not the Lord hindering. That's the enemy hindering us. And so that's why when a door is closed, we got to discern by the Holy Spirit and prayer. Lord, is that you closing the door or is that the enemy? And if it's the enemy, we take the name of Jesus and we kick it down in the spirit. Isn't that right? In prayer, we kick it down. Amen. So I've just been saying it's only a matter of time. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Our God's a good God. We're talking about the unstoppable spirit-filled church and that's you. You are unstoppable in every area of your life, your family, your business, your health, your finances. In everything you are unstoppable because you've got the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus himself with you. Somebody say amen.